Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What's good, Internet? It's April 14th, 2023, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 558. I'm your host, Rob Zachney, and I'm joined by Ricardo Contreras. Hello. Patrick Klapik. Hi. And Renata Price. Howdy. Uh, so, Patrick, I just want—I just was kind of curious about something today because this was this sort of seemed to be what I woke up to, which is that everyone's mad at Redfall, which is interesting because people haven't really <laughs> been talking that much about Redfall, and now they're talking about it. Ah, uh, you to I be will kind say, of annoyed. You 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 did miss the conversation. I think you were out when Ren came in mm. and we talked about the game, and she had played the game and actually came out fairly positive about yeah. where that game could go. So I will, I think actually in the, in the arc of where Redfall has been in the last six months where we went from like confusion, but life, loving arcane and like hoping for the best, maybe feeling a little bit weird after death Luke's. I know people were very high or very low on that game, but came out of Ren playing Redfall going like, ah, like yeah. maybe they're onto something. And then it's just like a game was marketed poorly, which would not yeah. be the first time. So one thing that's relevant to the to the controversy uh, that I uh, kind of passed on in my uh, preview coverage because I didn't think it was like worth talking about because I was playing a preview build. That game didn't run great. I mean, that's true of all most yeah. games <laughs> at that stage. Um, yeah. So that is can be telling only with uh, hindsight. Uh, I would yes. say. Um, and, and I think it is in, in this case, because I think that I think that this game may have struggles with optimization that may make a performance mode on consoles more difficult. So, um, yeah. So uh, t- today or as of recording, uh, the official Redfall Twitter account uh, announced that uh, Redfall is launching on Xbox consoles with a quality mode only uh, Xbox Series X 4K 30 FPS, Xbox Series S 1440p 30 FPS. 60 FPS performance mode will be added via game update at a uh, later date uh, with no details on what the later part means. Lots of games these days get day one patches. Um, sometimes those day one patches are given to reviewers who have early access. Sometimes they are not. It is kind of depends on the game. Like we exist in a world in which when a game quote unquote goes gold, that means absolutely nothing except that if it's a disc game can be sold physically discs are being produced and that's the version that's on on the disc and then the team starts working on the game you will actually play when it, when it launches um but here like this announcement you know i think alongside a lot of confusion over what is redfall like what is the footage they're showing i think it's been a game that has had a very confusing rollout since its launch and i think ren's hands-on was clarifying if not necessarily like letting us draw any like huge conclusions but it was at least like huh like I, th- I think we felt better a little bit better about it and that might still be the case for the game that is being played but i think uh you know this opens up like a, a broader conversation about something that happened with this current generation in which 
we've had 60 FPS games in the past. Fighting games frequently uh, are, uh, if not exclusively, run at high, higher frame rates because of the way they play. Shooters have trended in that direction in the last couple of generations in which they, um, if you're playing on a, you know, a, a, an Xbox or a PlayStation, you're going to be getting most likely 60 frames a second playing a Call of Duty or a game of its ilk. Uh, but broadly speaking, games tend to run at uh, 30 uh, to 40 um, or <laughs> often less, depending on on the game or if you're playing on a Switch. Uh, and with the these newer consoles, there was the introduction of things called performance modes, which essentially are like, do you want 60 FPS and it's going to run at mm, 1080p? Like, you know, something like that. Um, every game handles it a little bit differently. Um, some games like Spider-Man or uh, Ratchet and Clank uh, have like a long list of different options you can have. Like you can choose you know, a performance mode with ray tracing, a performance mode without. Um, but not every game uh, has those. They're not system level. They're they're game specific. They're developer specific. But I remember positing at the time that this stuff was dropping as someone that's been a console player in the past that sort of got used to and thinks game, you know, is, essentially should be okay that games run at different frame rates, even, I, even though I understand people's desire to have them run at higher frame rates. Uh, once you gave people a taste of this, was what kind of backlash, what kind of, uh, what was going to happen as games inevitably wanted to do, let's, you know, there's certainly the scenario that Ren is talking about, that maybe it's, a, you know, it's an engine issue, it's a technology issue, it's a pipeline issue. But also, inevitably, games were going to want to just do more on these locked boxes, and we we're going to start trending towards frame rates that were lower across the board, as opposed to every game is going to run at 60 frames a second. So as you pointed out, Rob, this has caused uh, quite a, I don't, I, you know, it's something that is like mostly a like I don't know how much this is a Twitter and extremely online thing relative to the mass audience. Actually, I have a little I do know a little bit more, but we'll get into that later. Um, but it's caused a lot of conversation and anxiety about the Xbox and Redfall and frame rates. Um, Ren, I, you're someone that probably plays shooters more than any of us, um, although probably broadly on the PC. But yeah. I'm curious what you make of of all this. I mean, I will say that like. Uh, sub 60 fps on a shooter can be legitimately like deeply disorienting for me at this point um like really really disorienting if i have a game that's like running at like a solid 45 that is still even that is still like too low for me to be able to like feel reasonable and like there is a genuine reason why um pro players try to maximize frame rate by playing games on low settings right there is there's a reason behind that um, even if it's like partially psychological, um, there is definitely like a sense of discomfort or, you know, taking extra time to process information that comes from having to like dealing with hitching and stuff. And like the thing that I'm more concerned about is, um, in, in the case of Redfall one, I played that game and it was running at 30 FPS and occasionally it did like hitch a little bit. And there was like moments where I was like, this doesn't feel quite right. And like, if that's not a solid 30, that is a problem because the hitching is where it gets like really bad. Um, Cause you can make a game run smoothly at 30 FPS. You can do that, right? What you can't do uh, is make a game feel smooth, especially a shooter while your frame rate is like jumping up and down constantly uh, or frequently enough that it is like noticeable. Um, Unless that's like, a that mode, was... right? There are some games that'll have, uh, you know, like uncapped frame rates where it's like, Hey, look, it's going to bounce a little bit, but you're there so that you, hopefully you can achieve the highs. But that's a personal choice of how you're experiencing the game as opposed to as you're presenting where it's like, hey, a locked, extremely smooth 30 that is built around that experience can work. But if the if what is happening here is, hey, 
we're capping it at 30 because we're running into issues and we're going, you know, it's a little bit like the evil within when it came out and I was like, look, for cinematic reasons, we have these black bars. And then the game came out and didn't run very well. And I was like, I think these black bars are here because you're trying to remove visual data to make the game run better. <laughs> but like, I think there's also a bit of uh, like variable frame rate stuff does like help with a lot of things like the way a game appears on the screen. It can make a game look smoother, but like. It, I do think once you dip below 30, you start having like dips below 30 that like might be significant. There's just a limit to how smooth the game is going to feel uh, to, you know what I mean? It's like I've been playing more with um like I can watch my frame rate bounce up and down a little bit when I'm playing Fortnite, right? Where it's like, okay, it's up around like 100, 120. And then like, whoop, it's really dipping now because there's a lot of stuff happening and it's like dipping towards 60. Do you always and, keep the frame rate on or is that just I've got a new rig and I want to see what it does? I just wanted to see what all the stuff okay. does. Um, so I yeah. just want to note, I am a frame rate always on person. If I am playing a game on Steam that has the option to display my frame rate on screen, I will have it displayed in the upper right. But like for me, at least I can like because I have that data there. It's like, yeah, I, you're right. I can feel like when it dips from like 100 down towards 60, I can feel that little like loss of speed and smoothness. But not that much. You know what I mean? It's like it still all feels like it's a pretty smooth game, uh, etc. Once it's like dipping, like the difference between like 110 frames per second and like, you know, 60 is significant. But like 60 feels feel, still feels pretty good, you know, 30. And it's like, oh, I'm down to like 18 or something. That is where you do start to feel like it feels chunky and it can affect things like the way control inputs feel. Um, and so you, like, I could see that being a real issue for a game where like part of what makes a game feel good, even if it's not like competitive is just, if you feel like really in tune with the game, uh, like it's like, it's quick and responsive, uh, to what you are seeing. And if, yeah, if, if they're kind of up against performance issues at like the 30 FPS line, uh, yeah, the 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 thirty kind of needs to be a, a hard line that they can they can hold. And and also, I will say that like I, you can miss shots because of frame rate dips. Like that is the thing. It's like and, and also like frame rate dips can be caused by a ton of things, right? It's not just the GPU or CPU not being strong enough, right? When I played Valorant, I would have issues where I would uh, have frame rate dips. Uh, because of packet loss, for example, where my like game would just not know what the fuck to do. And so I would have a massive like frame rate drop because of like network issues, for example. And so, you know, it, once you're adding like an, uh, cause like Redfall is a multiplayer game. There are going to, at some point be packet loss issues for some people. And if you're having those on top of like slight frame rate dips, that can get really disorienting and lead to like almost constant, um, you know, disruptions to play. Um, all of this is to say, though, like, I want to be clear. I'm not, like, a huge frame rate freak. Uh, I just need it to be stable. Yeah. Um, and when things are not stable, that is when problems, like, really start to kick in. And I think that's what people notice more than anything uh, in footage, right? If you show someone, like, bad like good 30 fps in a game that's built for it chances are they're probably not going to notice but if you show them mediocre 30 fps in a game that is not built for it it will become readily apparent immediately and i worry that redfall is in the second category of 
mediocre 30 FPS that the game doesn't feel like mechanically built around. Well, and it just broadly, more broadly speaking, this game has had a lot of image issues. What is it? What is interesting here? How do I play this game with how many people? And to have in the final weeks, this news come out is less catastrophic as much as it is just suggestive of a game that has been, I, I have no insight into its development. I cannot speak to whether it's been smooth or not smooth, but purely just like observing how it's been rolled out to its prospective audience. Like this is just a bad look, especially alongside Microsoft, a company that is essentially self-prided itself on, look, the Series X, this is where you go to game. Like this is where the best hardware is best in class. The games are going to run great. We're going to actually publish games that can run at 120 FPS. Like when they put out, uh, I mean, this is a game like Ori, but there are games that support it. And like those games look sick as shit. And the whole idea is like, you're buying this box, this big (laughs) black box so that it, 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 the games can run really well. And not every game is going to line up neatly with that. But when that is part of the marketing approach. And then you have a game that what feels like at the last second, if, the, if it came with a blog post, right? Mm-hmm. Like that said, hey, this is our plan. These are the issues we ran into. We're sorry that it like, because later date, is that a month? Is that day one? Do they not know? If they don't know, say that because I think what, where we have landed with a tweet like this is, is doing disproportionate damage to people's perception of the game because it reinforces a earned narrative that I don't really know what this thing is, but I keep getting bad vibes. Like bad You're in the vibes. hype building phase, and it's like a hey, those expectations, lower them. Well, they showed not- they showed the game at sixty fps. I believe. Yeah. I may I could be correct on this, but I believe like the pinned tweet on the Redfall account. <laughs> the trailer showing at 60. Now, there's a long tradition of showing games on PC at faster frame rates and then how they arrive on a console is different. But, like, that sticks out even more here where, you you know, you see this. And, it's like, and for me, it's like 4K, 30 FPS. You know what I don't give a shit about? 4K. I just don't. Like, like the Robs of the World, you know, brute forcing it with a, you know, a, a, a four, you know, four series card. That's fine. But I will take... Drop that res, 1440, 1080, like, I'll take the frame rate any day. And the fact that the, you know, that's why I think, like, pushing the idea that it's 4K, I feel that that's less, like, bragging as much as just maybe obfuscating what's what's happening here. And what's also interesting is I talked to somebody who should know that is not about this game in particular, just broadly speaking. Hey, have you seen any data about, you know, this is, like, a really... Uh, you know, a hot conversation online. And I think it's, you know, it's to some degree is a worthwhile one and spins off in a bunch of different ways that are interesting looking at. But like brass tacks, like do who, like for all the players who will, who play video games, how often do they change the quality mode that is presented, the, the visual mode that is presented in front of them? And it's, I don't have an exact number, but the number is extraordinarily high that no one touches it. Whatever the developer presents as the default settings is what the player will choose to go forward with. And I, I has like a follow-up that was like, how many times do they even look at, again, like at the options menu? It was like dreadful. dreadful. Wow. You can have really? options. People don't look at them. And like by people, I mean the biggest possible population of players. I, like the people who are going to respond to a tweet, go to Reddit, be on a forum, are important, part of a pie, but are not necessarily indicative of the whole pie. And so it's just worth keeping that context in mind that, uh, 
basically what I was told by by someone who's seen data for this and other games is just it's like a big sigh of relief <laughs> because like the assets move quicker from what you're building to a like you know cinematic resolution whatever mode you want to call it than it is where you're then having to take the exact assets you've created and make them work in performance mode you're not taking performance and going up you're taking you know uh, quality mode and working down and that's that can be an extraordinary amount of work based on the game and how it's been built all that said this is the kind of like i think shooters are going to be the kind of genre where people expect it and i think shooters are going to be the kind of genre where people get dinged and so i was talking with uh, I have to look it up. Someone on Digital Foundry were going back and forth on, on Twitter John about Lundeman. it. Yes. And what, what John pointed out was that two things can be true. What I just told you is absolutely correct. The vast majority of players, the vast, vast majority of players, let's say 98% are never going to touch those, those visual settings. But as part of a genre expectation, they can be subverted and the game can look poorer as a result because you just assume come to assume they look a certain way where frame rate becomes part of aesthetic rather than technical, right? It's just like these shooters look this way. Fortnite looked this way. Call of Duty looks this way. Valorant looks this way. Um, and a small example I had for that, which is outside the realm of all of this was um, my, uh, my, my, my oldest best friend, like they play Roblox together and uh, I, when there was like a hand-me-down I thought iPad you meant I thought you meant my oldest best friend as in someone I go back a long time with to like <laughs> my childhood friend they play Roblox together meaning you and them yes and yes. I was like what the fuck is going on over there <laughs> you're talking my oldest about? child's uh, best friend and we had a, 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 a like when my youngest became old enough that they wanted to watch videos they wanted to copy their sister it was like alright new iPad purchased and then we push them all down and my da- my oldest daughter got a much nicer tablet and Roblox was eating battery up. Like it doesn't exist, but running, you know, at a really high frame rate. And they went over to their best friend's house. They were playing together. And the friend looked at their Roblox, a Roblox. They had no problem with prior oh, to no, this you moment. Did. Oh, what did you do? Oh, I, no. forced, I forced that family to buy a new tablet because Patrick. yeah, yeah, I was, I was, I was scolded. I was like, oh, you gave your kid, your Roblox runs at, you know, they didn't say 60 frames a second, but like it runs really nice. And oh, now, now my kid's Roblox doesn't run as nice. And they complained about it enough times that we didn't want to hear about it. And so we had to do the tablet shuffle too. Um, and so just, but again, that is just a small example of this in action of right. frame rate may not be in the, in the way that we're all talking about it or like Ren, someone who's like super into shooters, much more hypersensitive to the fluctuations. Yet it affects us all. And like the trickle down of that can have consequences in, in different ways, such as making a family down the street buy a $350 <laughs> tablet. Who knows? Well, you know, you know, Patrick, you mentioned something else there, um, which is the, the, the 4k thing. So yeah, I'm like, I'm a bit of like a hi-fi nerd, uh, but the thing is, like, I did skip like the 30 generation. Um, <laughs> like, I was I was on a video, I was on the same video card for a long time. The mm-hmm. other thing, I think, part of the box they're in though is like, it's a bit like, were we asking that? Like, was there a great clamor for 4K? Right? Not really. Just TV manufacturers decided that was going to be the next standard, you know? Yeah. And like 4K TVs, that was the, the that was the new technology. We're all going to 4K. Okay, fine. And then console manufacturers made 4K their selling point. It was their target. You know, they're they're going to make these make these promises. And the minute you go up to 4K resolution, it's just 
a lot of data to drive. It's a lot of data to crunch. And like, you know, from the standpoint of, for instance, if you're playing PC games, like, you know, if you look at, as I, as I did over the last like few months, monitor roundups, for instance, what are the best displays for like desktop uh, gaming? Generally, like 4K monitors, like they're there if you want them, but mostly everyone is like 1440 vertical resolution is like, kind of the sweet spot for desktop resolution and it's easy to drive fast right like compared to 4k it is incredibly fast you get uh tremendous frame rates etc that's how i ended up with mine right like i i settled on something that was like i bought an entire suite like the the card i picked the monitors i picked were like this will do 1440p really nice for the next three to four years and then i can figure out where i'm at after that but out of the box like the playstation didn't even support that resolution uh, right. It was added later that, you know, if you hook up to a 1440 display, it can it can drive that. Because there's largely a PC driven thing, right? Like like consoles went, you know, 720, 1080 and then 4K with like n- not really in between. Although I guess but the Xbox probably supported 1440 out of the box. Right? Well, I think like I think like a bit Sony's probably caught out by the fact that, wait, there's a lot of people who basically they do their gaming at a desk. And yeah. so they are using monitors as their like gaming TV. Maybe they don't even have a TV. Maybe it is just like a monitor that's like doing everything. But in like in either case, uh, you know, they they sort of put themselves in a in a box where so many of the selling points were about like we're gonna be able to do you know. Obviously, there's there's you know the screens with refresh rates of 100 120 uh, FPS. You know, we're gonna be able to do 4K at at 60 FPS. These are hard benchmarks to hit. Uh, especially with anything using like new display technology, like new display features uh, and such. And so to a degree, I I do think they are in a, they're in a bit of a bind here where you want to show it's like, this is a, this is a properly next gen game. Well, current gen at this point, we're, we're, you know, a couple of few years in, but the hardware didn't advance that much. These are still hard targets to make. And so I, I, you know, it feels like Redfall is kind of this victim of like, well, we got, we got to, we got to hit, we got to hit 4k, uh, you know, come, come hell or high water, whether or not we are really set up to achieve that with the, you know, with, with the game we're making and the tech we're, we're making it on. So like to a, to a degree, I, I feel like, um, I am still not sure in a lot of cases, the, the hardware in the current consoles is really as capable of delivering on everything they promise to. And there's going to just a lot of rubber meeting the road when it comes to how is this game actually going to perform? What kind of what kind of uh, frame rates are we actually going to see in the wild? Well, it's, it's why not it's as why transcendent I, as we I, hoped. Yeah. And with lacking, you know, all the evolutions in you know, sort of like the, the AI upscaling, right? Like DLSS and and whatever AMD's true, whatever solution is called. Like that stuff, I think exists on like a, there's some support for that, like on, on the PS5 and Xbox, but it's not in the way that it is on PC where you could, you know, find support 4K, upscale away, like, you know, f- figure it out. But like those easier sort of solutions don't really exist here. And that's why I'm like, actually, I know that it's taken a while for these machines to become more widely available and and a lot of people just bought them but as someone that owns a nice pc now is very happy spends a lot of time on it but still plays a lot of games on consoles and does like these performance modes and would prefer them to stick around even as games drift away i could be easily convinced into being suckered into a pro model of 
both machines that allow like had some of those like hey turns out 4k is really fucking hard like we've thrown some dlss and like whatever in here to make that stuff work and sing a little easier i would in a heartbeat flip well i can't flip these machines they were provided by hardware manufacturers but i flip something else in my house uh in order to to achieve that um um even if like i said the data doesn't support that most people would care for that but i think you're gonna get a lot of like when you have a game that people are mixed on it's things like this that are gonna really scratch harder so if, if this had happened to a- another game like when this inevitably happens to starfield i don't think it's gonna matter that much that game is not gonna run at 60 frames a second but it matters for a game like this because people are like i don't know what to think about this and that new star wars game that looks pretty good uh it's coming out a week before and that zelda game looks pretty good well <laughs> Technically speaking, maybe not, but looks pretty good from a design perspective. Comes out a week later. It's just like Redfall is walking. Increasingly, is like walking towards a world of, well, thank God it's on Game Pass because I guess you can download it a month later and see if it's how it turned out, which is not yeah. a great, that's not a great place to be for. Well, it does sound like the game deserves the- better than that. It's just right. like, it's just unfortunate how this is all being handled. Uh, uh, something else I wanted to touch on was, uh, so you and I went back, we were playing Dead Space again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that game's really good. Like, yeah. I was like, after I said, once every session, I have the like, how the fuck do I play this game? And I have the embarrassing like 20 minutes of trying to relearn the controls, and then I sort of mm-hmm. fall into a groove. And I'm like, this game's great. And I'm, like, by the end of it, I'm like, you know, I'll bet when I finish this, maybe I'll play it on hard and like really try to use the environmental <laughs> stuff with the force grip <laughs> to actually like do all the things the game supports. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. And like, you know, try to force myself to play a bit more uh mindfully of the environment rather than kind of effectively spending my way uh out of some of these jams mm-hmm. but you know that original dead space was uh we interviewed the you know original creative director and it didn't come up in the interview but they're working on another game uh immortals of avium avium I think Avium. You didn't but I find did, out? I, they, did they not say? They, they, they said it a bunch of times in the preview event, but it didn't stick, <laughs> Rob, which normally I would just correct, but I think that is actually maybe an issue if you if your title is not readable enough. Wow. Like It's one thing if it was Immortals colon Avium or of Avium. You know, the way a lot of games do it is like for SEO purposes, basically. It's like we want the cool single or two-word title but then we have the subtitle here so that when people Google it, they can actually find it. This game's got a visceral cinematic campaign. That's, <laughs> well, that's that is that is true. That is true. So this comes from the uh, uh, was it? Uh, what's the creator? Brett uh, Brett Robbins? No. Uh, let me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Brett Robbins, the, the original uh, creative director on Dead Space, is the creative director of. Um, this new game from a new studio that is being published. Uh, uh, is it it's an EA, EA Originals program? It's an EA, original. EA Originals. Okay, so there was yeah. EA Partners. That's what like Rock Band. One of the Rock Bands was published through um, Brutal Legend. Um, oh, the the Japanese shooter uh, where the, the gun is constantly making dick jokes. Oh, Suda51 oh, worked on it. Yes. Uh, oh, fuck. Darkness. It's got the word darkness Shadow in there. Shadow of... Shadow... Mm, Shadow of the Damned? Shadows of the Damned, yes. Great game. <laughs> Absolutely love that game. 
I remember seeing that game on the shelves of the family video and think I remember that box art so fucking clearly. Okay. Scorched into my mind. Ren, I don't know. I think maybe the way to, you know, it's been a minute since we've we've done Ren's rentals, but I think a way of expanding (laughs) that feature might be game that Ren at the time wanted to try but didn't, (laughs) as opposed to it always having to be a game that you did play and revisiting because that's my way of watching someone else experience Shadows of the Damned for the first Let's time. Let's Shadows of the Damned. Let's do it. I, I, I you know, <laughs> am I incriminating myself by saying I loved that game? And then I'll, the first joke will be slightly homophobic and I'll go, well, I, you know, better have left that in my memory. I don't think that's what the game is. I don't, I don't, I don't. But, um, so yes, I, I was able to see a, uh, uh, hands-off preview event where they, they walked us through some story and, uh, gameplay stuff for, uh, this new game. Uh, Brett pitched it as, uh, after Dead Space went on to work on a bunch of other uh, games and projects, you know, I think most uh, primarily known for working on uh, like Call of Duty campaigns. Um, and the way Brett put it in the presentation was uh, they were scripting out this sequence in a Call of Duty game with like a helicopter and a soldier on the ground. And their mind just kept drifting to like, well, what in- instead of a helicopter, this was a dragon. And what if instead of building a like you know a submachine gun like you know you're you're like wielding magic and those were like the original sort of idea behind what would become uh this game which was like wanting to take all the spectacle of a call of duty game and put it into a fantasy setting um and so the presentation i saw that is what this that is what this game is like go look at a modern call of duty game from the last 10 years put dragons in it Mm. swap out your guns like long range medium range short range for spells uh and mm. then like all of the like you know hey we're gonna have a long walk and talk and then the interface is gonna appear and then you get to walk uh ren i have i have some i have some questions about these yes. spells are we talking like if 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 i have a short range spell and i go scra and it's like a little is there like a spell smg they, they a, was a, a lot a, of a now, spell granted, machine gun. The, it is probably diff, like when you are giving presentations, when you've workshopped that stuff, it is going to be hard to not make, you know, like this is just like that. And but there was a lot of well, this is kind of like your shotgun. Um, <laughs> and then like here's the magic spell. Kind of feel like a shotgun. It, it kind of looked, you know, it doesn't look like a shotgun because it's coming out of your hand, but functionally, it's like well, you get up close and you blast them. Uh, yeah. Are we looking at like a spelper rifle? So is there like a long range spelper rifle? I didn't I didn't see a sniper rifle equivalent. <laughs> Quick um, conjurer, <laughs> put on your sacred eyepiece. It will bring the foe closer. Uh, you can I mean, zero it at various distances. <laughs> you wouldn't think you'd have to worry about spell drop, but we haven't figured spell out gravity. The winds of magic with a K blow strongly in this part of the plane. They blow down towards the earth. You can't feel them because you can't feel the winds of magic, but your bullet, I mean, spell can. <laughs> so, Patrick, you see the problem where this does lend itself a bit to, like, you're making yeah. spell casting Call of Duty. Uh, now, mind well, that's you. That's really what they did. That's, that's what they did. I mean, like, that, I, and I don't know if that's a bad thing. I, I just, don't know either. Like, to, these, to an extent, these, like the big visceral cinematic, like, shooter campaign, but like that with magic, I'd say it being kind of cool. These games have existed before. Um, what's it called? Uh, something Battle Mage 
uh, came out a few years ago. Lichdom Battle Mage uh, is the game that I am. I feel thinking like that, of. that 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 title is very funny because it's the opposite. Whereas like most games with like Immortals in you know Horizon Zero Dawn, that one is. No one knows what the fuck Lichdom is. Can we put Battle and Mage in there as a way of... <laughs> okay, Ryan, a few years ago, this says yes. E3 2014. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen. Woo. What is I our can... definition of a few years ago? I was... Le- uh, listen, I was a youth. Remember the um, passage of time stopped in the winter of 2020? Yeah. That's true. It did. It truly did. Um, <laughs> But this is to say that, like, I have seen something like this before. And I'll be honest, it fucking ruled. Yeah. That game had, like, spell crafting and oh, shit. Looks, this looks it tight. Was a, yeah, Rob, you can, like, make your own spells. It's very, it's very cool. Um, which is all to say that, like, I, as, as funny as I think this is, and as funny as I think the, the pitch is, I will say that, like, these games have done right by me before. The thing that I'm curious about, Patrick, is that, like, what does the time to kill look like? Like, are we talking, like, if I, if I use my spell MG, are we, are we talking about, like, re- taking out a guy very quickly, or is it, yeah, like... Yeah, it's fast. I would say the, you okay. know, it was one of those games that it was really unfortunate that I couldn't even, if I could have just played a minute, I feel like I could mm-hmm. say so much more about what this game is, mm-hmm. how it feels, and how it flows, because the speed of the gameplay, when you're in, like, the non-cinematic moments where you're doing your walk mm-hmm. and talks that are, you know, very... Uh, kind of uh, pretty pat uh, for for these types of uh, shooter campaigns at this point. It's frenetic. I mean, it has the intensity of a Doom modern Doom game, like Doom Doom Eternal. Okay. Like that is the speed that I would. That's the game that came to mind while watching it. Like there was a sequence they showed us that was separate from like here's the campaign and you go off to do a puzzle and yada yada. It was like here's something from the late game that is just three minutes of arena combat, like where you have access mm-hmm. to pretty much all the spells. And abilities, uh, and you're just going to, it's, you know, we're not going to talk. You can just watch it and kind of look at the flow. And it's extremely difficult to discern, not because the game is unreadable, but because I just don't know what all the verbs mean, right? Like, I I don't know, like, what is the cooldown on these weapons or how is ammo, but it looked spectacular Mm -hmm. and it looked fast and it looked really fun. And I think the goofiness is, I think this game is going to get made fun of because it's like, taking itself real seriously in a way that I think gives me good vi- gives me good vibes but in a way that like oh you're going to get made fun of game but like, it's like sincere uh, it's the risk it's the risk you take when you're like being right. sincere it's extremely sincere in a way that I found extru- like extraordinarily charming um and because but I mean you know Robin in talking to Brett when we did that interview like he is very sincere i that's like the vibe i got from him despite that was my only real interaction with him other than watching him do this presentation but it's like this is a very sincere guy he he cares about this world a lot and i think it comes across a little goofy because of that sincerity but i feel like you can you can feel the sincerity and it breaks out to the other side of 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 you wanting to appreciate it for it I will say, like, for as much as Rob and I did joke a, a, a few minutes ago about you would, you would uh, fucking the love it if the rifle. game had just scripted that scene and had it word for word. You'd no. be going, like, no, I wouldn't. Sold. No, no, <laughs> I, I want to be really clear that I wouldn't because, like, I like it when games take themselves seriously. Like, this is why I really struggled with the Divinity series. Sure, like, I I love CRPGs, but like, Divinity is like. Oh, it's my jerk-off spell. Like, I don't need that. I don't I don't need that energy in the space. I would like the characters to take the world that they're in seriously. And like, listen, it, 
If it's a little bit goofy, I would rather it take itself seriously and let me be the person who's like spelper rightful as opposed to like getting ahead of that and yes. and trying to cater to someone who's never going to actually respect me. Minsk and Baldur's Gate have so much to ask, answer for. That is what? sorry, that is to a degree. Like, I think the like the eventual marriage of uh Larian and Baldur's Gate was kind of inevitable because their house style in terms of humor is sort of oh, oh, stemming oh, oh, oh. from like a character in Baldur's Gate that is the most like we're going to lampshade uh, the ridiculousness of like D&D conventions in this game so fucking hard. And it's like totally very hard to take because uh, it's like every like the the, char- the character kind of doesn't stop quipping even as the stakes get higher there's always this like little wink and a nod to like boy uh what a goofball huh D- like quirky D character we've got here and there is so there some- is a bit of there is some of that in the main character mm. and it's just hard to tell like i feel like the impression i got in the bits i saw was world itself taking taking itself very seriously mm-hmm. um main character who's a bit aloof and but i couldn't it's been a, a like you know a week or two since i've seen the presentation and so I, i'd have to brush up on i, I don't know what's going to get released like how how much actual footage is going to be out there compared to what i saw it was just hard to tell like is this a forespoken situation right like are we looking at uh a trickle down like you know weed approach um mm-hmm. uh, you know approach to like this lo- this kind of storytelling this kind of setting um because like the other characters the people making this game seem dead serious and are telling you a bunch about its lore and aren't blinking in a way that I'm like, fuck yeah. Like, I don't know if it's any good, but I'm, you're taking it really seriously. And I, I don't know how much of that character is going to then be exactly the thing that we fear. Well, Patrick, let me, let me, let me run this option by you. Yeah. What if they're kind of a BJ Blazkowicz? Like, the thing that I've been thinking about this entire time as you've been talking about this, Mm. thinking about, like, speed, thinking about, like, a high time to kill, thinking about, like, arena shooter moments was the modern Wolfenstein games as opposed to, like, the modern Doom games. Because I think that, like, one, I really like the modern Wolfenstein games. Two, like, I feel like they are the tone that I would look for in something like this where, like, modern Wolfenstein, like, thinks that it's funny, but Mm. also is is taking... It is funny. It's a very funny game, but also takes its characters unrelentingly seriously uh, when they're like actually like having a moment, right? Yeah. Like the right. Well, also being self-aware. It's why that game's like tonal arc is just like I don't know how you would write this, but yeah. I'm glad that you did, and it and it and it like broadly works. It's um, astounding they pulled it off. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that is what I would hope for from something like this. If they're going to have a quippy main character, at least let it be a quippy main character in a world that is taken seriously when it needs to be taken seriously by that person. Right. Um, And so I I don't know where that this game will ultimately fall on that because some of that is you just won't know until you're in the thick of it and you get the sense of like how much of this is in the cutscenes, how much of this is going to be in the moment to moment combat. But I will say the combat I saw while it's so hard to tell how a fast paced shooter is going to feel without having a moment on the mouse and keyboard or a controller. It looked good. Like it looked fun. Like it looked like a not like again, merely swap us. You know, I think a lot of us, uh, you know, on, on this call, like, like playing shooters, but I haven't touched a call of duty campaign, whether they're good or bad in a while, because I'm just sort of exhausted of the setup and the framing. Mm -hmm. And 
if you just were to take that and do exactly what Brett said is like, but what if dragon instead of helicopter and you know, yeah, what if medium range spell instead of SMG? That takes me a long way towards <laughs> wanting to play something very similar because I am like love playing indie games. I'm also a sucker for the big spectacle and putting that big spectacle behind a fantasy, like a new fantasy world. Like, ah, like I'm rooting for it. I came out of it. Not sure how I felt, but rooting for it. And we won't have to wait very long. It comes out in July. Um, mm-hmm. My understanding, the way they were talking about it, is the game is basically done. Um, and now, um, so hopefully before long, you know, maybe, you know, sometime early summer, Rob and I will get a chance to actually <laughs> at, at a certain <laughs> event, play that game and uh, get a better sense of what it is. This, uh, this, this concept of like Call of Duty, but with like magic and such also does remind me of, I need to watch the second season, but a set, a style of setting that I really enjoyed uh, was in that uh, Netflix show uh, Shad- uh, Shadow and Bone, mm. and, which is like magic, but also World War One era technology, right? <laughs> and effectively, you have like World War One, but also mages are on there on the battlefield, and you have like a society where magic exists coming to grips with like industrial warfare, and the question of like does this magic even mean shit anymore? Like the minute belt fed <laughs> machine guns exist in the world. Like who the fuck cares if you can throw a fireball, that thing can spit out like, you know, 15,000 rounds of ammunition a minute. So like, good luck with the fireball. But like, it did remind me of just that, like those settings that do sort of fuse a bit more together where instead of everything, because like the setting is like, ah, because magic exists, nothing is like it is in the world in some ways. Like they're all the technology is, is sort of, shifted toward magic solves the problems rather than like there being a set of like a sense of like ongoing technological progression. Uh, I'm a sucker for those settings where you have like there's magic, but also recognizably like a lot of human historical eras and technologies and bullshit make their way in uh, Mm -hmm. and sort of juxtapose the two. Um, Also the call of duty uh, thing reminded me of, I took another little, you know, while I was seeing, ch- checking out things that could like, you know, reward uh, a new PC and like be fun to play. I fired up uh, Battlefield 2042 again because uh, I was like, I'll bet Luke Plunkett what? would approve of me <laughs> playing uh, Battlefield 2042. Uh, after two like 10 minute waits to find a game, I ended up in two empty lobbies. Uh, in case you were just wondering how Battlefield 2042 Whoa. is doing, because I Dang. bought in on the like, I've heard it's much better now. Maybe there's something <laughs> wrong with my setup that the game is just like sending me to empty lobbies, but it didn't feel auspicious for for the state of things. Um, so that was a that's that's my little check in on me trying to play like a modern mill shooter and it not working. Uh, so maybe I should mm. maybe I should just go get my Call of Duty on uh, until. Until Immortals of Avaim arrives to sate my hunger for that, for that style <laughs> of game. Speaking of things that are just inherently magical, Kato, hmm. tell me about Infinite Guitars. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Infinite Guitars is uh, an RPG that came out um, a couple... Well, it's been two weeks now. Wow. The end of March feels so much closer than I realized. Um, it's a it's an interesting uh, mix of RPG, you know, um, like 
the overworld is kind of action RPG E and then there's uh, also a bunch of um the the big draw is uh rhythm rhythm gaming in in there you know um uh a, a kind of reductive but simple way of describing it could be like you know hi-fi rush was the like action game mixed with uh this is this is an rpg mixed with a rhythm game um mm, okay yeah. continue <laughs> it um it has a really uh really fun uh art style and uh has these uh a bunch of like over overlapping uh systems like um you know there'll be uh um uh things in the overworld where you'll you'll be running in uh dodge rolling stuff and you have health that carries over into battles and in battles there's a yeah what's up Tell me a bit of this world. Like, so where do the guitars come into it? What do you do? What is this RPG about? And why sure. is the guitar such a key component of this? Um, well, I'm still pretty early. So they're still like, kind of doing a lot of world setup. But the the main gist of it is there's um, a world where uh, giant robots exist, mechs exist, and um, we're in like a post-war like era of like there was a giant war a lot of things got fucked up uh there's a um an isle a system of islands and you're living on an airship and you've never been down onto the onto the land of either of these islands um your dad was a like some sort of war hero question mark like nobody really ever tells you their his full story and he died when you were young um but one day you're finally kind of forced down to uh forced down onto land for your um but by your like current caretaker his name is Miguel um and very quickly you're basically running around looking for a magic macguffin called the, an infinity core and everything in this world um that is powered by electricity or anything that electricity also is always is always in the form of music. Like music is the energy that like powers everything. Um, and there's some really interesting stuff about how basically the uh, the the kind of enemies that exist in the world, the the machines that are wandering around and making things dangerous for everyone, um, have kind of stolen the songs of of the people who used to live there, and like they're using it. They're using that power. Um, mm, so pungent metaphor for AI. <laughs> Wait, are these robots like abandoned war machines and alien invasion? What's what's up? Like, why robots? Um, I'm not here. Sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, yeah, they're 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 we haven't found the origins yet. Like, I'm sure like the, the game's oh. gonna get there. Like, it, it okay. feels like, like I've just met so nobody, made, nobody made them. This wasn't like warring factions. Uh, no, it, it, it built the robots. It does. It, it does seem like that's going to be the thing. It's like there were people, mm. somebody ended up making these robots. Some of them are autonomous at autonomous at this point, but it feels like there's a mix of robots. What somebody made to like ride in and robots. What are now just kind of like these kind like of immortal beings. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, and so the, the 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 kind of rhythm game part aspect of it comes in a couple different ways. One is that uh, similar to, but maybe not as polished as Hi-Fi Rush. Things in the overworld happen to the music's beat. 
Um, there's um, basically a couple of puzzles where you have to turn, you have to basically hit a switch. But to hit switches in this game, uh, you do have to do like a little um, rhythm game section. And basically, the rhythm game sections are usually like um, five to ten seconds of us of the current song that's playing. And this is, this is one of the like really kind of well done parts of it is that whatever the um, uh, in, 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 especially in battles, this like really shines is like whatever the current song is. Once you actually hit the rhythm section, it just dives into that section wherever you are in the music. Um, Mm. and you'll end up getting, uh, small snippets of the same song, right? Like you, you're not playing an entire song all at once. Uh, it's usually a very small clip because it's like, um, each one of those is like a single like RPG, like turn-based attack, for example. Um, how fun, so I've played a lot of games with no charts, played a lot uh, of games with the, this little lane highway. Yeah. It is one thing to build a lane highway. It is another to make the note charts fun and the lane highway feel, especially when you play, I have a real problem when I play these games, not attached to like a physical object, right? Like every time I've tried to play one of these that has the, the, like, it's one thing if they change the UI and go in a different direction where your relationship with the music and your inputs mm-hmm. are fundamentally different than what was like broadly established by, I mean, I get games like Parappa and, and Um Gemma Lammy, yeah. but then popularized by holding a guitar with, you know, or, or drums and like hitting those. And I just, something frequently is always missing when I'm just doing it on a keyboard or a game pad. Yeah. And so how does that feel here? Um, I think the, the charts themselves feel pretty good to hit. Like it, like when it's like, you know, got like rising and falling motion in the music, like they do a lot of really good, like, um, basically it's all, it's all, it's, uh, X, 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 Y, and A on like an Xbox controller. Right. So it's like mm-hmm. the top and bottom one and then the one to the left. And so there's tons of little, like there'll be licks where you can just roll your finger down across all three of them in order to hit all Ooh. three. Like there's things like that where like you're it's less you're like picking up and pressing as much as you're like kind of rolling your finger over the different buttons in the right order to hit them faster. That's nice because that's really, like that, yeah. that is a record. It's a recognition that your fingers are doing something different yes. than the sort of like the replicate. Like I feel like a lot of the games that followed in the wake of like all of harmonics stuff yeah. was like, it just didn't feel like it wasn't a recognition that your inputs are different. And so the, the layout and like how you do that yeah. input should feel different to like to feel satisfying yeah. and that sounds like it's a recognition that like hey holding a controller is going to feel different and there's different satisfaction in the way that like moving an analog stick like there are things that feels just satisfying yes. to do in a game and that sounds like it understands that like moving your like your thumb along those buttons <laughs> yeah. and rotation so to speak would feel good yeah it definitely and it, and you know it sets up the 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 the, the lane highway to move left to right so that the buttons that you're hitting are lined up with top, middle, bottom. Like it, it intuitively makes a lot of sense. Um, I do think there's a little, I would want a, maybe a, I'm used to a little more feedback on like near misses and things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. It hasn't been too much of a problem, Um, but what's really, so what's really interesting about the rhythm sections is that it costs your health to enter them. So, like, if you're going up and, like, hitting a, a switch that's going to solve a puzzle, you, like, lose 
15% of your health. And then depending on how many notes you hit in the section, that's how much health you get back. So if you hit 100% of the notes, mm. you get all that health back. Otherwise, you're losing some amount uh, just uh, by interacting with things in the game. This also applies in in battle. Like there's moves that are... Um, that aren't rhythm based that are safe but they don't do very much damage and they're kind of like to set up for these big moves that will have you do a complicated section of of the of the song and um but also require that you have a certain amount of health available to feed into them at the beginning and it's a really really like it's it's created a really interesting tension in battles of just like okay i have to wait for the right moment to push my luck on all right because it also, depending on how many, how well you do in the section, you're either going to do um, all the damage or a little under the damage that you're being told. And, like, it tells you at the beginning when you're picking your attack, it shows you the enemy's health bar, and it shows you, like, what chunk of health you're going to do if you hit a perfect. But a perfect can be hard to hit sometimes. So mm. they have this secondary... um system called cores it's basically just a little pip a little charge that you get and the way to get it is there's a specific attack that doesn't do a lot of damage but it gives you charge um and every there's a there's a sec there's another mechanic where every time you hit an enemy a sort of like anger bar fills up so if you do too many of these like you could just kind of mash the like light thing like 50 times if you wanted to and eventually whittle down an enemy but their attack keeps going up the more you do that. So you, you wouldn't want to do that, even if you like had the patience to sit there and uh, choose that same attack over and over again. And the second thing is, incoming incoming attacks from the enemy are um, basically these kind of like mini action sequences where you have to like actively dodge things or else you're going to take a shit ton of damage. Um, this part I found kind of the hardest to grok as far as they say it's on the beat, but it doesn't quite feel like it's on the beat to the battle music. And the, mm. the enemy is flashing on a beat that is, um, I, I forget, I forget the actual musical term, but like, if you have like a, a rock song, that's like one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, they're on the one, two, one, two, they're like on the, on every other beat is what they're flashing on. And so, like, I eventually kind of got it just by feel uh, because you end up seeing a lot of the same enemies and they, they always attack at the same interval after, like, there's, like, a little reticle that appears and then the attack comes in after the, the reticle, like, lines up with your character, which you can move around. You can also avoid just by running to the other side of the screen if you wanted to, but... Mm-hmm. Part of the point is that if you do a perfect dodge, if you dodge at the last possible second, you get half of a charge, which is that thing, that 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 meter that you want to build up to do the really big, massive damage. Um, there's a lot of basically kind of push your luck mechanics that they that almost always seem worth going for, but if you like miss, can can really you know do a lot of uh, like set you back pretty far, but. There's also it's very swingy. It can be very swingy. Um, I've like played like three hours, and I've definitely lost a few times uh, on like normal enemies, not even bosses. Like one of the early bosses was also pretty difficult. Um, 
And it's all just like, like, I think I can hit this. I think I can hit this. Uh, I'll have 1% health left. And then like, I whiff a bunch of notes on the rhythm section. And I'm like, great. I have like 3% of my health left. Cause I, I was hoping to get to 10% and be fine. But, um, and it's, it's generally really neat. It feels like it, it feels like, uh, uh, like, very a solid but very obvious like freshman attempt at this game mm. there's maybe mm-hmm. one too many systems where if you took that time of development to polish the rest of it it might have felt a little better um it's not bad but i can see where it could be an amazing game and it's only a good game you know it's like totally fun it's on game pass which helps a lot just like boot it up check it out mm. it's i feel like it's my response to any of that is yeah like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Um and it has a really cool animation art style that like uh there's like a su- like a surprising amount of um cut like animated cut scenes where like I would assume going through dialogue there's just like you know you get your regular like portraits talking back and forth and like so far there's actually been like a lot of like there's a there's a couple times when it does that of course but like a, more often than I assume uh, there's like a whole cutscene happening as you're like going through dialogue, uh, mm-hmm. dialogue in this game, and it's really like I, I'm, I'm I'm I dig the, the art style a lot. I I feel like the big thing that kind of sticks out to me is that it feels like someone drew the level maps as one thing, like it's like the level map is one big drawing that then you're zoomed into, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like it has that sort of feeling of like. Uh, instead of each screen, right, being a thing that they've, like, kind of set up and, like, it's, like... I feel like I'm running into that more. Yeah. Like, uh, It's, like, they, the, they just, like, yeah, they did the whole thing at high resolution. Like, it's it doesn't look fuzzy. But what it looks like is the scale is, like, maybe not quite right. And it, it also has this issue of um, having it in certain parts really confusing... Uh, environment where i'm like is that a wall why am i can't this doesn't look like a wall it looks like a sidewalk uh but actually i guess that must be raised like there's but that's just a little lack of like extra polish yeah but you you spoke with a freshman effort yeah absolutely Um, it's like i've gotten and like i like eventually you like find the like oh i'm supposed to go this bridge is actually i can go under this one for some reason not all of the bridges like it sometimes it looks like i should be able to walk under them and it doesn't small things like that the environments are ultimately not so huge that it's like and thus i like can't make forward progress like yeah i poke around at the edges i find where i'm supposed to go it's fine it's it's just and all though like it's yeah it's on game pass right it sounds worth checking out uh it's like for sure i i Um, hope they get um like another swing at it like i hope like someone helps them make their second game with maybe a few more resources because it's like this is like a really solid really solid start uh for any any developer i feel like and like you know it's just needed like a couple more passes in some places but i'm still having a lot of fun music games are hard there's a reason yes and the, and also here's the thing that they did that they fucking nailed obviously which you have to in a music game the fucking music slaps like all of the music overworld music battle music um it is all great uh shout outs to 
a friend of the site to Mello, who's got a track, one of the battle tracks is in, in there. Um, and it, it, it like, they have enough variation in all the battle music, but it's like a, a, a perfect balance of like, there's, there's new tracks every so often, but you get, you still hear your bangers. You like you like get used to some of the other tracks, which yeah. ends up making the rhythm sections a little easier. Once you like know, oh, I know how this riff is about to go, so I can kind of be prepared for certain fast sections and things like that. Like you, you start to kind of the way like you know, if you, the first time you play a, a a song on Rock Band, you might not right. put it on the hard mode immediately because um, you you want to kind of learn what the rhythm of the song is if you don't already know the song. It like kind of builds that in through its rep- repetition of certain um, tracks, but it's not so much that uh, you like it, it becomes annoying or like boring or just like too repetitive. Honestly, like they've they've struck a perfect uh, uh, sort of balance there of like feeling like letting you get to the point of mastering the song before being like okay now we're gonna move on to the next uh set of battle songs uh because we're in like a new area or whatever um it's really neat so that is infinite guitars uh that is that is by nico 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 yeah uh two k's in nico nico different nico nico and as uh on pc and also on Game Pass. Game Pass. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here. And remember, Waypoint Plus listeners get this podcast ad-free. Learn more at waypointplus.com and see how you could fill this break with nothing but cool tunes. Back after this. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market And we're back. Uh, Ren, last week we, last time we checked in on uh, Everspace 2 and you played a bit more and you wanted to revisit it because it sounds yeah. like you're a little warmer on that game. Uh, even that you were, you were, you were warm toward it, but it sounds like uh, you're, you're heating up on Everspace. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting, hey, it's getting, it's I'm wearing getting an spicy. NBA jam shirt and Rob is like, Ren is heating up. Like she, <laughs> she's hit another shot in Everspace 2. It's getting it's getting spicy, which is to say that, like, I think that the game's narrative really started picking up basically immediately after we ended last recording. Uh, It's doing some like cool stuff. The like main character has like a is like very well characterized as a dude who is deeply traumatized and has like complex feelings around death and like struggles to understand how other people interface with death because he has a fundamentally different relationship to it as a clone uh, whose memories are transported into a new body every time he dies um, and so it has this like fundamentally like changed relationship to death than other people. And so like that narrative stuff is like hitting better than I expected it to. But also, 
Um, last time I'd primarily been fighting in asteroid belts and debris fields and the orbits of planets. I have started fighting on planets, uh, which is not to say like on the ground combat, but like you are in a ship that like hovers above the ground. And that shit is so good. It feels like excellent uh, to like zip around through like the interior tunnel system of a planet. Uh, And that is where it is going like full descent mode where you are flying a ship through these like tight corridors, um, like blasting shit that like comes at you. Um, And it feels much more descenty than the outside bits, which are similar to something like a chorus uh, or like another like actual I'm, I'm space sorry, shooter. Sorry, you mean a, a chorves? Chorves. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Chorves. chorves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also like the visual design on some of these environments is kind of staggering. Uh, there's this like one fight. There's like this one mission you do um, in the rubble of a broken planet. Uh, and like the, you can see like the molten core of this planet is like still cooling off as it radiates into the air or like into the, like the space around it. Um, and you're like flying through all of these like bits of rubble. Uh, it's, it's, it's really, really sick. Uh, and I'm starting to interact with the Okar faction, which is like this alien faction who are sick as hell. Uh, and like visually, pretty arresting um they're like ships are really cool uh and like their architecture rules here are some here's like a screenshot of like an example of the like on planet stuff which is like very sick mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um trying to see if there's any like stuff in the this trailer for showcase showcasing combat uh above planets Excellent. It does look this really, looks, really cool. I can't tell if what I should do is never play this game, but just log on to these podcasts and have Ren increasingly tell me how much I would like it. <laughs> or I should actually play it and experience it for myself. I'm enjoying both versions, both both of these paths. But every time Ren logs on, I was like, hey, that game that I kind of made sound there's sick a whole, shit sounds sicker. There's a whole world of games out there that are more fun to hear someone who is gotten into the game talk about than it is to actually mm-hmm. like play yourself because like it turns out the hooks just won't work as well on you as they do on the other person but like their enthusiasm is here but you talk you talked to me about a strategy game i'm like god i guess i need to get into strategy games no i don't no, you no don't. i don't but this this is different i think i need to get into this this is sick as fuck it's it's really sick i just had a boss fight where the way that the boss works is you have to like pick up physics objects in the environment to shoot them at the enemy and it breaks their shield temporarily (laughs) which opens up a damage phase are you remembering a certain uh, session of dead space you can you can throw a thing at a guy and open up a damage phase don't you want to open up a damage phase patrick you know i've had this blog post i've wanted to write forever but i love throwing things at a boss and opening up a damage phase and a manual just won't let me write it I love damage phases. <laughs> um, and like, 
I was really But you just surprised. said bosses, and I was like, this guy's got bosses? Like, already, are you just making shit up? I was, <laughs> I was really surprised. When it happened, Patrick, I was surprised. I show up, and this guy shows up, and he's like, oh, I'm gonna get you. And I'm like, is that a boss health bar? That's a health bar on the top of my screen. What am he's I gonna still, do with that? He's still uh, my space-faring heart. And, like, the mechanic of that fight is really good. You're flying around this, like, debris field, picking up debris from, like, this old military battle or alternatively this dude has like these drones surrounding him and you're sniping the drones from like three kilometers away with a railgun boosting in grabbing the corpse of the drone and then throwing it at the boss to then like act switch to your like close range weapons and then like lighting him the fuck up it's great i like it a lot um in a like just like purely like mechanical sense i think the game is like really really excellent um, and it's like joyous and arcadey in a way that like I haven't experienced. This it is so it. startling because like I remember Everspace One came out and it looked like a thing that would appeal to me, and then the reaction from so many people I trust was like, "It looks like what you'd want, but it just isn't. <laughs> it fundamentally is not uh, that." And so I was like, "Okay, Everspace, like going to put that in the not for me bucket, like not not what it quite appears to be." And now it sounds like it's every bit that, and that sounds great. Yeah, I would. I, I legitimately am, am. I'm coming to the point where I'm like, "Hey, Patrick, Patrick it's installed. Think, Patch. Oh, it's in motherfucker. It's installed. This it's this installed might right be here. on a Midnight Suns arc. To be <laughs> honest, like we might be. We might be talking about this like come September, and it's like." <laughs> so I played a bit more Everspace 2. <laughs> and so I was saying like it was, I thought it was like really good uh like earlier and actually this might be one of the greatest games made uh it's- in the past 5 years. <laughs> Yeah, welcome to Waypoints 2020. Uh, welcome to Waypoints Game of the Year 2023. This year's Midnight Suns of the Year yeah. award goes to Everspace <laughs> Two. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's got a better shot, yeah, of getting in a normal category because it came out in April as opposed to uh, late November, like Midnight uh, Suns. Yes. Right. Um, but yeah, no this this all sounds great. I unfortunately it is not. Um, I have a, a flight. Uh, when, coming up this week and so i'm you know doing the thing where i'm gonna download a bunch of things that i'll inevitably mm-hmm. not play but uh they have they have warned against playing the game on steam deck quite yet they have not op- done the optimization pass mm. to to make it work on there yet so i've i've downloaded it to my pc and it is on my steam deck but i'm waiting for them to do the kind of like the post launch right. um make that run decent on low settings on the deck because that would be the ideal situation uh for, for me uh, but it is installed on my pc and i do I, pr- I promise to take a look at that game uh, very soon. Good. Um, Rob, I'll, I'll just let you know. I have trade goods sitting in my inventory oh, yeah. that I'm holding off on. I got to, I listen, hey, I got them. I got those cybernetic implants for so fucking cheap in the CETO system. Are you kidding me? It was the lowest possible price you could get them for, 277 credits. And then- Max price, 599 that's that's a that's I, I could double my investment. I spent ten thousand credits on those goddamn cybernetic implants, and all I got to do is find the right system. It's so all good I got to do is find the right system. Be bothered. The game will not track, and you certainly cannot be bothered to track how much money you could have made trade doing a bunch of deals with that <laughs> inventory space uh, in the intervening time, even hauling it around. Uh, like I think the minute these games introduce an opportunity cost tracker, uh, mm-hmm. like. 
the angst over these systems will just be will just be crippling. Well, here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. I have not filled up my inventory. That has not been a problem. Okay. Um, I am not like st- I'm not stocked up on trade goods. You can hold like ten stacks of these cybernetic implants. So I have twenty eight, and they're taking up three inventory slots, okay. like a twenty slot inventory. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I'm 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 good. Uh, I'm doing okay. It's not like I'm like hauling around like a cargo vessel that has like thirty inventory slots. But like you know, yeah, that's there. There's a world I can own multiple ships. Do I am, do I have multiple ship money? No, surely not. <laughs> but once you sell those uh, cybernetic modules, like mm, you, you not quite a healthy step closer to get the good ship, Rob, that I'm looking at the one that I want 90,000 credits. That's a lot of credits. Yeah. The current ship I have costs like 25 K. So if I trade it in, it's like a 65,000 credit purchase doing like a side mission um, like a like a side quad, like a, just like a normal job, it gives you like six thousand credits for the area of the game that I'm in, and so like a couple of quick jobs, and then like some trading, and like I could afford the good ship uh, if I sold my current one, uh, and so like it definitely goes at like a much faster clip than something like a uh, Elite Dangerous. So like you could log on, like you know what I mean by log on. It's not yeah. a multiplayer game, but you know what I fucking mean. Um, you have a boot sesh. up the game, have a sesh. Have a quick sesh, 30 minutes, an hour. Make enough to get your way most of the way to that ship. Um, and like leave it with like some some cool gear. Um, and the loot has been picking up a little bit, but not so much that I'm like constantly switching things out. I have never picked something up and gone, oh, fuck me. I guess I picked this up. Yeah. Um, it's always been like, fuck yeah, that has a name. Hey, that blaster's got a name. It's called the Eclipse. I want that. <laughs> um, and that has been like a very like satisfying, uh, satisfying build. So yeah, I'm I'm feeling hotter on Everspace okay. 2 as I put more time into it. And so maybe who knows? Like maybe next week this is just like we we have the Everspace 2 pod. Everyone's just like full, full goblin with Everspace 2. <laughs> Uh, well, we, eventually it'll just be, you know, kind of like when Elden Ring came out and it was like, oh, wow, this is another another segment on Elden Ring. You know, it's like eventually we're going to have to just spin off for Waypoint Plus subscribers like <laughs> the Evercast. Right? We're just, you know, logging our you know, right next to the Shack cast um, mm-hmm. is, is 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 this as we as we work our way through Everspace. Too. I bet it's, yeah, it's really weird. They did 34 episodes on this arcade shooter. <laughs> That was, it was like really strange. There's like, the entire one where they talk about ship builds. It was like really <laughs> tedious, but kind of compelling. I like that you said Evercast because it's ever uh, Everspace, but it could also just be any game that we're going to talk about forever. The ongoing mm-hmm. cast, the Evercast. The, uh, yeah. Hey, sorry. We, That's we've where taken this game out of gone, the right. That's where. Yeah, uh, we've taken this out of the Waypoint Radio rotation because you know you're tired of hearing us talking about it. But we're sorry. We're still going to talk, talk about, about it. it anyway, goes into the Evercast. That's, That's not. That's not a bad a horrible actually, idea. The hobby horse game, the Evercast, the hobby horse Wait, game discussion show. Yeah. What about like, yeah, we have like, because here's the thing. If we do like a small episode of that, it can be like 20 minutes. Right. Like, if we put that on the long. Waypoint Plus Rob, feed. We, Rob, you never have to hear about Destiny ever again. Ever again. <laughs> we could just do 20, like, <laughs> shuffled off to the Evercast. No, be, Bye-bye. But I would still be on that show, so I would be Why would you? It. Wait, why would you be on the Evercast? I'm playing Destiny. I can take this hit for you. You can yeah. just move on with your life and stop coming up with uh, 
questions to ask Kato about <laughs> Destiny that you don't care about. I do, though. When it was Kato and I like talking about Destiny, I was like, let's yeah. get into this whole situation. We got when into it. was it. Kato and I talking about Destiny. When no, I got you locked two in a room fuckers. with Kato. <laughs> Given no other option. <laughs> I decided to show interest in Kato's interests. Dark. Uh Patrick, uh, you know, re- in terms of revisiting games right now, uh, you wanted to close the loop on Bayonetta Origins, uh, which you were yeah, also warm have- on. Did it finish strong for you? It did. Game of the Year candidate. Sleeper. Ooh. Sleeper game. Uh, Bayonetta Origins is fantastic. I, I, I you know, mentioned when it, checking on it uh, a week or so back that I uh, was a game that I was impressed by when I originally played it. I was more impressed by as I continued on and got to the end of it uh, just utterly uh, to the moon uh, on it. It is a just a wonderful little action uh, adventure game, like with a you know, really novel uh, control scheme where you're controlling two characters on separate analog sticks. It's it's gorgeous. It's got incredible music, and the combat gains a lot of depth that it doesn't have in the beginning. I think it is a classic example of a game that gains a lot of momentum as it goes along. That I wish was more present early on, um, because I think you, there's a very easy chance of you playing a little bit of this and being like, ah, you know, I hope there's more, but there's not enough here for, for me to, to kind of get uh, hooked on. And that really uh, comes to light about halfway through when you start getting what are called sort of like elemental uh, states for the, the kind of demon that you've summoned. So you can change them into like a fire state and a water state. Uh, and that changes their move types. And you're doing these counters and rolls and combat. It's all, it's fantastic. And if I, uh, it's, it's going to be a game that I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have to write a tweet. I've done this before. Like, remind yourself how much you liked Bayonetta Origins at the end of the year. I think I did that for Celeste, and then people reminded me of that tweet. And I was like, oh, right, that was my game of the year. And then it became my game of the year for, for that year. So I don't know that it'll quite be that. Do you have a, I don't think I'm that high on it, but. Hmm? Do you have a list of games that you play over the year? I do. I you do. A little, I like, do. How many, make yourself a little symbols like legend of like, remember this. I mean, it's one. part of why I did it. Yeah. It's part of why I like have the list of every, I write down not every game that I play, but every game that makes an impression. Right. So it doesn't have to be that I beat it, but it's like, huh, like this game I talked to, if I talk about it on the podcast, like that is leaving an impression, like that's done enough. And then I have that list to reference at the end of the year. But, um, yeah, this was a, a really, really, really great game, um, and I, I recommend folks uh, check it out, even if even if you have completely disconnected from the Bayonetta universe. It does not matter. I was skipping right past most of the story stuff um, anyway. Um, like, what is here as, as a game is uh, extraordinarily fun and comes highly recommended. So, yeah, closing the loop on that, but just wanted to give it one more shout out uh, now that I've seen credits. All right, let's uh, let's dip into the question bucket before we call it a day here. Uh, remember, you can send us all your questions at gamingadvice.com with the subject line questions. Ren, do you have time for one question before you I bounce? have time. Hey, I've got time for a question. All right. Let's, I'm taking a dip. Let's, uh, Ooh, let's hear from Alice, Alice in Los Angeles. Alice in Los Angeles writes, hey, Waypointers. Last night, my Wi-Fi router uh, typed wife router. My my uh, maybe it is a wife, wife router, in which case this problem router. becomes very interesting. <laughs> uh, last night, my Wi-Fi router decided I've to needed die. those before. Probably to reboot my wife router. <laughs> uh, this would have been fine, but I have every there's too much wife traffic on my network. Uh, I really need. Wait, can I? Sorry, I needed. I need to tell you a very important fact about Renata. Yeah. really quick. 
there was this, there was a section in my phone uh, where I put people that I'm dating, like in the, in like my text section, uh, like a, a category. Uh, that category is called Wife City. And so so, uh, the times in my life where I've been dating multiple people, there have been multiple residents of Wife City. uh, And it is the funniest part of my phone to me. And the phone has Uh, a right wife router. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This is right. This is the the new dog city. (laughs) Wife Wife City. Yeah. Different borough. Uh, okay, back to, back to the question. Hey, Waypointers, last night my Wi-Fi router decided to die at 2 a.m. This would have been fine, but I have every light bulb in my house connected to a smart home hub that doesn't work unless the Wi-Fi is on. And it led to me turning things off and unplugging for 30 minutes so I could sleep. I kind of regret getting in the smart home stuff because as convenient as it is, it also causes terrible headaches like this. Do y'all have any hobbies or bungled ambitions like this that have you feeling stranded or like you just want to move away and never look back? Oh, my God. So I live in an apartment in New York City, which I think is kind of a universal experience (laughs) of owning an apartment in New York City. It's kind of showing up and being like, ooh, ah, I guess this is my next two years. Cool. Uh, That's most of my furniture. However, I do... um, I don't think I've ever had a hobby that I felt so trapped in that like I felt like I couldn't leave. I bought a bow once uh, and then I moved to New York uh, and that kind of ruined. Oh, yeah, I bought a bow. Um, Like a working one? A decorative one? No, of course I bought a working bow. I wouldn't buy a decorative bow. A decorative bow would be weirder, Kyle. That's what I'm I'm asking. I want to know. No, like if if I cosplay weapons and shit, you know, they exist. Listen, if there was an archery range in New York, I would go. Like, if there, I'm sure there, there is, is one. I could find one. There, there's um, someone somewhere has done that. Yeah, it's probably got a bar in it. <laughs> yeah, like, that's like the trend of things these days. But I did, I did, uh, I did purchase a bow, and that I never ended up using, which made me very sad. Um, and then that bow no longer exists uh, in my life. Um, that is probably the closest. I don't know. I don't once. If I decide I don't want to do something, I just won't do it. So I'll simply go home. Uh, they don't have an exact uh, story for this. But one, I have a like a story of the, these devices being useful in the opposite direction, which was a couple winters ago. We had horrible snow and cold and the power just zapped out. And we had just I think it was the first winter we had uh, my uh, oldest uh, child. And so she was, you know, less than six months old when. The power went out. We made it through one night because the ho- the room the, the the house was hot enough to like get through that first evening, and then it was like, hey, I, the house is not going to survive, you know, feeling really good for having a newborn, um, you know, a, a second night in a row. And so we ended up going to my mom's place about fifteen minutes away where power was on. And it's like you're checking ComEd's website. Like it's hard. Like when you have a mass power outage, it is difficult. You're not always yeah. to know like is the power back on, and uh, we were new to the neighborhood, so I didn't really know any of my neighbors yet. So I didn't have anyone to text me that like, hey, if the power goes on on your block. Can you let us can you let us know? And when I knew the power came back on was like, hey, you're uh, you're Philip Hugh lights. Do you want him to do anything? And I was like, ah, the Internet's back, which means the power's back, which means which means we can go back home. <laughs> uh, related, sort of related. So it's just an excuse for me to shoehorn the story in because I'm slowly I'm slowly dying trying to let this go um 
So we have an Apple TV mm. connected to our television upstairs. And it's an awesome device. It's like, even if you're not in the Apple stuff, it's an excellent like set-top box to like watch things on. And it comes with a remote, like all these things do. And that remote is a slippery little fucker. <laughs> it, it is just constantly falling in between things, mm-hmm. hiding hiding away in, in spots that don't make any sense. But we've always found it. And over the weekend, came home, the Masters was on. One of my kids was asleep. I'm like, I'm going to put on golf for a little bit uh, before I do some chores outside. Put that on, left the TV alone, did those chores, came back. Like, oh, I think some basketball's on. Time to change that. Where's that remote? Oh, it must be in the cushions. Wait, you just been you just used it? Just used it. Oh, my God. Just used it. <laughs> Where is it? Well, like many things, especially when you have kids in the house, like, look, sometimes it gets misplaced or you put it, you know, walk to go do something, set it down. Let's give this 48 hours. Like, it's going to show up. And with the Apple TV, you can use, there's, a, there's an app you can use on your phone, control it. It's not ideal, but we'll, we'll get by. 48 hours. No remote. Not showing up. I'm well, that was your mistake. The first 48 hours in the most critical uh, in a missing remote investigation. You, you're you're so right, Rob. Um, because also that, you know, and to some degree that is like not even a bit. That is true. It's like, what were the exact things I yep. did after? And I know exactly. What I, I stood up. I pointed the remote down because the little box is at the bottom. And sometimes it needs line of sight. And I sat down. What did I do with my hands? I don't fucking know. And so I ended up giving it 40 hours. It's like, fuck it. I'm just going to order a second remote. And then if it shows up in the next two weeks, I'll just package it up, send it back. That's not what you're supposed to do with things. But you know what? It's the life we, it's the life I'm living. So the remote shows up. And I go to set it up for the new one. And it's like, go to the settings. And in settings, what I see is a little battery indicator. Because the Apple TV is talking to that remote. It knows, it can feel it. <laughs> You're nearby, buddy. You've got You're 37% close. on you. But it has no way of communicating where that is. We don't know. It's it, There is no speaker on that thing. I have like gone down Reddit holes of like, hey, you can download a Bluetooth like receiver detection app. And all people say is like, boy, you don't know how many things give off Bluetooth in your home until you download something that looks for those signals. You will never be able to use that to find the device. And so in setting it up, you can't set up two remotes at once. It's a, So I was like, well, I'm oh going my God. to it's just like try and cutting it freak- loose and consigning yes. it to the waves like no. a master commander. Yes. No. Yes. It was just, and it was causing me just, but I Bring had to do axe. it because- I needed to just give up on this little remote because if in a world where I could check in on it to see like, well, it's down to 36%, 35%, it would, that would drive me more up a wall. And so I set up the new remote. I kept, I kept the box and I'm, it's, I, I'm going out of town for a couple of days and my wife is like, well, you know what? What's the most likely scenario? I'm going to find it while cleaning up something while you're gone. And I'm hoping for that. But there's also a distinct possibility that it is just somewhere it's lost to fate there and it is just ah like the remote's not cheap either it's like it's a 60 dollar remote you can get knockoffs but like you really don't want it like you want to get the nice one so i ended up i ended up solving the problem 
for future Patrick. You know, I got I got a, a thicker I got a case for it to go around and so that it can't fall into things. And I bought a little dingus that makes noise. So a little air tag and it fits light into the remote. So this problem can never happen again. I'm foolproof, but still out there is $60. And you know me and spending money, spending $60 on a remote that I know is within a, you can hear me. I know it can hear me right now. <laughs> anyway, that was, that's, I'm sorry. I was looking for a way to shoehorn that story into this podcast. And that was my opportunity. You found it. There's no, there's no find my on those remotes, is there? Wow. No, it's, it's like the only device that doesn't have any sort of speaker or, or proximity stuff. Um, Damn. Like they were asked, like the newest version of that remote, which is the one that I purchased. We had like an earlier version. They were asked a question. It's like, hey, you're like your whole thing is it's easy to find stuff using an existing Apple device. And like they're like, yeah, but this one's thicker. It's harder to lose. This and I'm here to tell you <laughs> that won't stop me. No. That won't find stop away. me. <laughs> nice. Great. Ugh. <laughs> Rob, have you given up? Well, Rob, not have you. What things have you given up that relate to this question? Yeah. That actually answer what they asked. What have you walked away from, Rob? You just did a lot of walking away, right? Like, this, I don't know, cleaning up a place, excavating physical history necessarily answers the question but we you know this podcast has been home to many yeah uh of your of your rabbit holes like but those you the ones that have been on the podcast you sort of arrive at the bottom of the hole right like whether it's a speaker or desk setup like you get to where you you're at that you've you've dug and you found the bottom but where is the one maybe the monitor the curve is Is that you walking away is the keyboard is is Custom keyboards, right? Is it custom keyboards? Is that what you've walked away from? Mm. Uh, you did just buy a replacement for that one instead of seeing the project. Well, it was just like MK had fallen in love with the idea during my researching it. And so she got the yeah, Moonlander, yeah, yeah, which yeah. was sort of the pre-built, like ready-made version of what Ren and I were working on. And then she was like, I hate this. Will you take it? And I was like, yeah, all right, let's see if it works. And it, it broadly does. Uh, and so... You know, I don't think it's I don't think it's as beautiful an object at all uh, as sort of what we had spec'd out. But it was it had sort of hit a point where it's like, eh, I think it feels like we're, we're we've kind of hit an impasse here. And it didn't burst into flames. Yeah. That one didn't catch fire. The, they, oh it came God. with a little 3.5 uh, connector that is the yeah. correct, correct spec. Uh, but yeah, like that that is that is an example. But I feel like, you know. The the smart home stuff is a really perfect example like this, right? Because like it is you take something you're going to interact with a ton and you're like, I can create a better system for doing this. But the minute you and and day to day, you're probably right. But the thing is, like, then what you've done is you replaced a lot of the day to day friction with maintenance of said system. And that is a different in some ways, more annoying uh, form of managing this like uh god this was like a year or so ago but like Vinny had this tremendous aside on next lander where he was like <laughs> he like telling his son about entropy through the <laughs> lens of like 
hey, you think all these cool gadgets and all the smart home shit that we've got is like good. And I'm here to tell you it's horrible. Like it's like this. This ruins my life. It's good. I wouldn't live without it. But also this is miserable to maintain because now you have you've gone from a bunch of like simple things that are going to generate a lot of like little friction to, okay, like there's a ton of things that are on and ups now, which means ups batteries degrade. And every time you do that, you have to buy a replacement battery and haul away like a incredibly heavy battery out of this metal casing. And you have to do that for like all your devices on the regular. He's putting all of, wait, how many things is he putting on and ups? I don't know, but it sounded like more than a few. It sounded like, I'm like, what are you putting? You putting like your, your like family room lamp on a Phillips hue on an ups. Like, what are we doing here? I mean, if you think about the number of electronics <laughs> that are in his home though, you can sort of, you can sort of get oh, it. Sure. I can imagine his office. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just trying to like extrapolate. Like there's a certain level where like, if the, if the lamp light wants to go, let it die. <laughs> no, well, and then there's the horror of like anything that like where cables are connecting things to other things. If there's any way for like a surge to get into that cable that normally doesn't carry powder, uh, that's your that's a real nightmare. It's a bigger issue with a detached home. Um, I probably don't need to keep as many things on an ups as I do, because like in a building like this, like I don't have to worry about the rogue lightning strike knocking out my house uh, the way I did when yeah. I was growing, in the, growing up in the Midwest. where like, yeah, that just happened to people. It happened to me once. It took out the router and the and the cable modem. Um, yeah, and I it, I didn't even know that was a thing that could happen. I was like, no, the lightning wasn't here, and it's like, well, it was close enough, and it got you. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, I did I didn't know that was a problem. <laughs> yeah, so like that's the like you know I've known people who they just come back and like clearly a lightning strike hit and like every, like everything is fried yeah. because like one thing was plugged into the wall and it yeah. wasn't dealt- and I'm sure if that happens to you once, then you are so paranoid. Like you, the risk management you're doing for an isolated event causes you to, and now granted, like you and Vinny also have a lot in common in terms of like this specific, uh, Sort of thing. So I, I can see, I can see why you'd be operating on similar wavelengths for sure. Well, and like so like my little like tiniest taste of the smart home stuff is I have that ridiculous like. um, Like they are smart outlet plugs that you put in that can like through your app, yeah. you control the the plug effectively, but also you mm-hmm. monitor energy usage and it's fun. It lets you know, like great for Christmas what. trees, things like that. Absolutely. But also it means that like, if I go upstairs, Rob loves Christmas trees. <laughs> so, so <laughs> why call them Christmas trees? They're, they're really more winter festive time, uh, trees, maybe early spring, uh, er, <sighs> early spring trees, my early spring spruce, fake spruce. Anyway. Uh, but like, if I go into my bedroom at night without my cell phone, I can't turn the lights on in that room. There's not a single light now that is on a physical switch where you can like flip it and it comes on. And when that happens, I feel like the biggest asshole in the world because like, why did you do this? Like for the convenience of like, I can operate this from my bed. I've given up the convenience of like, I can just feel for the light switch and turn it on. Now in my house, the wiring is so bad that the light switches do not do what you think they do a number of switches in my house will kill a circuit, not actually turn on a light. So it's like you, you flip the switch and like an entire wall goes dead because that's just how they wired the house. Together. The wiring is so in, in pursuit of finding a place for the hot tub to be plugged into. What I discovered was the curse of Demucci, which is this arc, this like builder who did a ton of homes in the Northwest suburbs. And 
I know many people that have the similar style of house as mine. And the moment you bring up wiring with them, they go, motherfucker, like you, everything is plugged onto like two circuits. And it's like, that's not how a house should be wired where you trip one thing. And the reason you're tripping it is because everything on one side of the house seems to fall on it. And it's, it's really expensive to undo stuff like that. So you just sort of try to like live with it. Yeah. It's, it's exasperating how much of like, you know, in these times like housing, housing shortages too. It's like how much of like built environment, we turn all those decisions over to developers and then the shittiest contractors like in the world uh, who are like, we're going to basically open up a ton of like single tracked house, single house, uh, like single detached home, single detached homes for a new development that's not dense enough and then by the way they're all going to suck in the exact same ways uh and everyone's going to have to in inherit this um but yeah like so the smart home stuff is a good example for that because like there's a lot of cool things it can do but uh it comes with a trade-off i I feel like the smart home stuff has worked best like i remember when i got a couple you get the impulse to well shit like, this is kind of nifty. Scene, like, shifting, like, automatic, like, you know, uh, uh, like, kind of time management stuff. I should outfit the whole house with that. And what you realize pretty quickly is you should think about selective situations that it's going to be useful for, right? Like, so we only really did, like, our kitchen and the family room. And what's nice is, like, when everyone is up for the morning, like, the lights are, like, dim but available. Like, like the when it's nighttime, like the lights like dim themselves and uh, yes. that that part is very useful and nice. And I appreciate that, but, <laughs> but I didn't spread it to the whole house. The one, the one that has been the most useful is uh, this is really only relevant to owning a house, but most houses have a light in front. Um, and I could never remember to turn it off. So I would turn it on at night, flick it on, but then when I would walk the dog, I would realize, oh, that light has been on maybe for two days. I, I've I've completely just forgotten that that light exists. And so being able to buy uh, a, a smart life, a smart light that went there is on a time on a timer. It goes on at sunset, like like turns so, off at dawn. And I never have to think about it. Those lights, you know, it cost me like 40 bucks or whatever, like felt expensive or, you know, to, to get three of those to go out there. But it, I've never thought about it for five years. And it's like some of the best $40 I've ever spent. This is so this is the other thing. Like the smart lighting thing, something I really love the idea of is, uh, you know, I, there is something to the whole like reduced blue light shift to like redder light to like get mm-hmm. ready like for, for sleepier times, getting ready for bed. And I do love the idea of, yeah, I want like I want obviously like some main lighting options to exist that are not like on a network that will just like go to switch, flip switch, turn on, there will be light as long as there's power. But I do love the idea of having the home sort of seamlessly change the environment a little bit to put it into more of a, Hey, like this is like one, it also, it sort of reminds you that like it's getting late and you should be thinking about like that it's late and that you're going to bed soon. And two, physically it's kind of preparing you for bed uh, in, in some ways. I love the idea of that. But and that's how ours work to, is like yeah. it goes in stages like it goes from like, you know, the, the family room light flips on, you know, about 100 percent at, uh you know, six ish, like when the, the lights are going down, you know, like eight o'clock when like bedtime is starting to happen for the kids, like it shifts down to 40, like 
nine o'clock, 20, 10 o'clock, like it's just off. And like, it just sort yeah. of is a nice way of the kind of things you would normally do already in the room. But the fact that it happens automatically is yeah. sort of soothing in a way. Right. And I just love the notion of, uh, for me, so for me, it's not a poor, it's not an outdoor light, but there's a, a light by the front door that I just routinely forget to turn off because it like lights the bottom of the stairs really well. And a lot of times I'm not sure, like, am I not going to go downstairs for the rest of the night? I don't know for sure. So I'll leave it on, but then I forget to turn it off. And like every morning when I come down, it's like, well, that was, that was going all night. Like I'm just kind of annoyed. So that that's an example. I think the, like, I got far enough along uh, doing the whole, like, doing a lot of like uh plex server type stuff in the home mm. where like i didn't go so far as to build like a nas but i sort of could see what the future looked like and it was going to be a pretty involved thing to set up admittedly a really cool suite of features and tools for the home but also yes it would have become a lot of uh management tasks that i currently don't have to deal with and so like those are I, I I fully understand this impulse of you get halfway into this and you never get it to a place where you're fully happy with it. And now you kind of got like a system that's just kind of like got some built in jank and you either don't have the time or the know how to fully fix it. Uh, but also it's like. Not you're so invested in it now, you can't just like strip it back out. So Are I, we talking about a hobby or owning property? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how I feel. That's how, that, uh, is, that, that, is the, that is how you feel once you own, you know, a condo or a house or whatever. It's like, I'm pretty invested in this. I don't know how to do a lot of the things I'd like to do around here. And a lot of it's really expensive. <laughs> well, so this reminds me. So somebody wrote in. Uh, Chris. Chris wrote in. Uh a query to the king of executive function. My liege, far be it from me to question your decision-making process, but I must ask, did you consider for a single moment the possibility of just replacing your misbehaving motherboard instead of buying a completely new pre-built computer? Your humble servant, Chris. Is that, is that Pat, Pat? I didn't write that letter, but I did say that when, when we started this whole discussion, I believe. But... It reminds me of like what you were like. So it, I think it ties into the whole there's people like anytime you say, oh, I built this pre-built PC. I bought this pre-built PC. There's going to be people who are like, you should have built your own. Uh, you know, they're just ripping you off their build qualities and, good, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's like it, it's a it's kind of a it's, it's kind of a weird thing where it's like. We said contractors do this like renovation in the loft that turned into an office. And I would bet you if you added up like the actual like materials they use to build this thing out, it's not that much. What I bought was somebody to do it and be on the hook for making sure it like was good and safe and right. Like that's right, like something all went the wrong. You have someone to call. I- yeah. Yeah. So like, the, like someone is on the hook for this and it's not like, well, you know, uh, with just a little know-how and YouTube videos and maybe some like <laughs> manuals, you could figure out how to like build out an extension to your your condo as well. And it's like, yeah, but one, I don't have the time or inclination for that. And two, it's like, even if I learn to do that, it'll be me doing it this one time, right? I want to work with somebody who like is doing this 
several times, you know, a week, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's routine. And it's a similar sort of thing with like PC stuff where it's uh, I was t- like Danny O'Dwyer mentioned this. Uh, you know, we were talking about PCs and he mentioned that like years ago, it felt like the hardware cycles were faster. And so if you were an enthusiast, you were getting into your PC frequently and like doing PC builds and messing around with stuff, getting new parts. And now things have slowed down where it's like you do your build and that can last years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you don't in that time, unless you're building like tons of PCs for friends, you're not exercising those muscles at all. Like you seal up the PC and in shocking, in a shockingly short frame of time, you kind of have all that information had to leak out of your head. Uh, and all just that like physical, like muscle memory kind of leaves. And so every time like he, like he builds a PC now, it's like, Hey, this isn't fun anymore because I'm like each time I'm relearning how to do this and I'm encountering a lot of like the same roadblocks and you know, it's just not, it's not rewarding or empowering anymore. And I think that's kind of where I am at with uh, things like this where people are like, well, you know, it could just be the motherboard or the, or the power supply. And it's like, yeah, but that's the whole shooting match. Like, <laughs> you know, it could be the motherboard. It's the motherboard. <laughs> like everything, everything, everything goes into it. Uh-huh. Oh, just, just, just swap out the motherboard. Yes. Okay. Yes. That is, it, it is, it is a similar amount of work though, to doing a new build. And so that's, that's where I kind of like, that's one reason I was just like, I need to have something show up immediately because either way it was a, this could be the motherboard. And in order to fix that, I will have to get a motherboard delivered and execute a repair that for me will be annoying as hell. Well, it's, you know, it's similar conversations you have when you've got a car for a long period of time. Like, what's the common wisdom when you have to replace the transmission? That's when you should be thinking about whether that's time to move on from the car because you're starting to outstrip what you're putting and in, putting into it. And you can put a new transmission in a car and have it last another 10 years. You also could put a transmission into a car and then a bunch of you're going to spend four to five grand and then spend a bunch of other money on that car as you fix the other starts that start falling uh, just because usually transmission can't or can line up with other problems in a car on a kind of culminating in a, you know, something you've had for, I don't know, 15, 15 ish years uh, having other problems. So and the motherboard can can function similarly as that. It's like, look, that just may be the point where you jump off and go time to get something brand new. Um, you know, like even the old PC I had, like I replaced that motherboard when I had a I moved it. We had this discussion when you had the first issues it was like I had. A motherboard got fried when I moved it one time and like a screw got loose or something on the case and I turned it on and like, whoop, like, like conducting electricity caused problems. Um, And I updated enough of that that I could have probably updated that machine. But like the box of that thing was from a reader at Giant Bomb that had spare parts. I mean, like it was like, <laughs> this is done. I don't want to do I don't want to update this thing anymore. I want a new floor. And the new floor was, you know, the the one I bought. And, like, I'll probably be able to replace what's in that for the next round of, of upgrades between CPU and GPU before, you know, in five, six years, replacing the whole thing outright all over again. Yeah, that's – yeah, so it's just kind of where it uh, – where that stuff ends up. And, and I think, like, home stuff is is even that but more so because it's, it's a weird thing because even though it's not as, like, high tech but, like – 
I don't know if it's I, I'm, maybe this, this is probably national, but like Patrick, have you, have you heard people talking about like an electrician shortage in your area? There's just no. not enough electricians uh, for the amount of work. So like it is apparently boom times for licensed electricians because okay. like your time now is very valuable and your dance card is full. Uh, and it's like, is that like like COVID consequences of people just doing extended home improvements or is there more underlying conditions for like less people in the trade? It's just a few things. There's like a, a dip in like the number of people I think who took up the trade uh, and then an increase in the amount of work for that trade uh, that there is. Cause like, you know, there's people like me who are like, I want to fix the shitty wiring in my place. So could you come out and like, you know, what started last year is like, I want to install a ceiling fan turned into also there's like just a ton of like bad circuits and wiring in here. Could you also address some of that? But then, you know, if you think about, uh, anytime people are like, I want to move to a heat pump or something like that, like <coughs> the HVAC tech is part of that, but so is the electrician, you know? So I think there's, there's a lot of like widespread home upgrades, uh, that are happening that, that require that. But it's a thing where you are definitely, I guess the owning a home thing is where you just sort of exist in that natural state of actually, I, but I was here even when I was renting. Cause like, it's the question of like, how much do I nest here? Mm-hmm. Like how much do I invest in like making this feel customized to me in this space uh, for, for my home versus how much do I like recognize that, I don't want to be that attached to this place because uh, I'm I, I, ideally I want to get the fuck out of here at some point. Yeah, no, I mean, and, yeah, we, we had like similar kind of like the um, the stairs in front of our house are yeah. functional, but like the cement is kind of, for lack of a better term, fucked up. Like it's not going to hurt anybody, but it doesn't look great. And it's same, not, same. that clip it's not going to hurt anybody will later be played in front of a jury uh, <laughs> as someone is as a, as a personal injury decision is being rendered well I've had, I've had it looked at like I brought I brought yeah. like uh, people uh, to come out and quote and like tell me like okay like hey like if I need to bite the bullet like what is this from like is this all going to slip apart and they're like no like but it just kind of looks ugly and and the cement in our backyard underneath our patio has like just it's shifted with the ground like it's not fully level um and it's all like fine but man like cement's expensive and it's mostly aesthetic as opposed to practical but it's one of those like who wants to spend 10 to 15 grand lifting up cement so that like it looks a little nicer and i really do want to do it it bothers me every time i look at it (laughs) but it's the same sort of Cost benefit analysis, like you're making, Rob, is like that's a lot of money to spend on. Well, like, is that what I want to spend on this home that I think I'll be in for another ten years? But I'll be, well, am I going to be in it for twenty? And is that what I want to spend in that ten? Like, when I'd rather spend that money inside the house with the things that I interact with more daily. I don't know, but that's what's that a constant struggle. What's a, how much does it cost to rent a jackhammer? <laughs> <laughs> Why did you break it up yourself and uh, take out? It's so it happens to cement. E- like I don't want to say it's easy, but like it's over quick. They're like, we can do your front and back in one day, and I was like, so it's, I don't even get to enjoy. Like, I'm not saying one enjoys like the like watching Rob go through you know weeks of a project, or I have a friend that's going through a kitchen remodel, and it's like six weeks of just 
a portion of your home basically unusable. But there's something about like, damn, like I can see the work. Like, look at them like bit by bit getting through a thing. And it's like, nah, man, like we'll break up that shit and we'll oh, be out of there in a day. <laughs> no, 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 Patrick. No, that's the dream. Because let me tell you, uh, I think for all that I spent, I probably paid for four full days of work, five mm-hmm, full days mm-hmm. for, of work from various folks uh, and, and trades. It was like very much one of those things where they did a bunch of work and then they're like, all right, well, you know, we can't do any wiring until your uh, fixtures are, have arrived, uh, you know, in, in, in post. So we're just going to disappear for three weeks. And then like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, the fixtures are here. And they're like, well, obviously, you know, we're going to have to wire the house first and that's going to take some time and then we can do the fixtures. And so it's just one of those things where it was like, we were clearly being moved around uh, in their priority queue. And we like, they got to work at peak efficiency, ju- jumping from job site to job site while we paid the friction of living in a construction site uh, for like two months. And so it's one of those things where like, no, like I don't think it's like where um, I feel like right now, our, you know, uh, Emmanuel over at Motherboard, friend of the site, uh, you know, our editor is doing a kitchen remodel that was kind of forced on forced on him. But. I feel like those are things where like guys come in, they tinker, they install things, they, you know, joiner, I think is really precision work. And there's a lot of like, eh, getting it just so, and you can see that sort of incremental progress coming together. But like some of this contractor stuff, is just like what you see is an abandoned job site for like days, weeks going by. And you're like, I feel like if they just showed up, they could like <laughs> do this and they just don't. So that's my that's my caution. But uh, yeah, even even when I was renting, it was like the whole I hate the color of these walls, but uh, I'd be a fool to paint them because I will one day move and then I would have to repaint them uh, to the to the landlord color. We got three quarters of the way through painting our old place. There's one room that just never we never got around to because it was like each time we did another room we'd like time a bunch of time crept up it got too cold and he's like well you want to do this when it's warm because you want to be able to open all the windows and let all the fumes out yeah. it took a, too many years and then by the time we were at the last room we're like well we're no we're moving in like two years there's no there's no we're not gonna buy but that then pace. you also sort of like wait but that's two years <laughs> two years is long it's so short compared but to all the long. other years <laughs> Yeah, it's that's the other weird part of it where it's like, but that's long. Like it was like there was a place where it's like, oh, I don't want to put anything into this home because uh, it's not I'm not going to be here that long. I was in the apartment for four years, yeah. four years of like this place sucks, but obviously I can't make it better because uh, we're leaving soon. And yeah, uh, the, I will say this, though, uh, I feel like the needing to open everything up and ventilate for paint thing is wildly overstated these days. Like that was true of paints when like I was growing up. Uh, the paints that we used for this room, mm. it was shocking how like it went down. And then before the builders, had, before the painters had even left, it was dry. And it wasn't like we'd had the whole place open with like wind blowing through or like dehumidifiers going. It was just like, bloop. That wall's painted <laughs> and it's finished. So that is that was one startling part of this. In my head, a bit like, oh, painting anything requires basically opening your house to the elements uh, yeah. and like trying to breathe clean air uh, while the fumes are just like swirling around you. 
And instead it's, it was just like, dude rolls a color onto the wall. And then like 30 seconds later, it's set. And I was like, okay, this was <laughs> not what I thought it was. Cause this is not what it was when last I fucked with stuff uh, yeah. some years ago. Anyway, uh, I think that will be a wrap on today's episode of waypoint radio. If any wild news drops, you're like, why didn't they, why didn't they bring that up? Uh, it's because we're recording very early because I'm getting maybe a root canal tomorrow. It's a very exciting dental appointment. Uh, recording this on Wednesday. <laughs> maybe may, not even just uh, you have an appointment for a root canal. It's maybe a root canal. Could be a filling. <laughs> Ooh, it filled up with a root canal. Root canal. <laughs> Could be a filling. Uh, it, it was like, <sighs> I'd really have to see like, he was like, these x-rays don't look good. But it's a lost cause. Unless. We'll just have to see. <laughs> oh, God. So uh, I'm going to be in for a, a fun day uh, at the at, at the dentist's office uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, but anyway, so that is that's why we recorded early. Thanks to uh, everyone for flexing the podcast forward so I could not have to worry about talking uh, for the rest of the week after this procedure. Uh, but. That doesn't mean there's no more Waypoint uh, coming your way. And if you want more Waypoint, you can follow us on Twitter at Waypoint, Waypoint, Facebook and YouTube, Waypoint Vice. You can follow me on Twitter at Rob Zachney. Uh, Kato, where can people follow you? At A underscore Kato underscore appears. Patrick? At Patrick Klopik. Ren is at Renner Raven on Twitter. Uh, and you can also check out we've published on waypoint.vice.com. Uh, Patrick, you got a little, you got a little thing coming up about the the Mario movie, right? Uh yeah. I sort of wrote a piece. Uh, this should be up by the time that you uh, listen to this. Uh, sort of like talking about the the point I'd made during the the podcast about um, uh, not wanting to sort of uh, as a parent like treat my children like mini me's to be like you need to be in video games and yet finding sitting across from my daughter uh, watching the Mario film and finding that to be really kind of a emotional moment for me. So I kind of expounded by that in a, in a piece that you'll be able to read up on the site. And Hey, thanks to waypoint plus we've been able to have a bunch of fun streams lately. Patrick and I went back to dead space and had a grand old time. Uh, I, I would say dead space, a good game. And, uh, you know, even, even annoying boss encounters can't discourage me from enjoying, <laughs> enjoying dead space. Uh, and, I think later this week, uh, Kato and Ren are going to be playing some Darkest Dungeon 2. And we can hear if that game's difficulty is all it is cracked up to be. You say later this week, but when they're when the listeners today. hear to this, today, it's today, later today, yeah. <laughs> later Friday. <laughs> what if Kato shows up and conquers Darkest Dungeon 2? Ah, uh, that'd like, be sick. Just, just walks up and it's I've like, never, bam. What, what if it's like, I've never played Darkest Dungeon 1. What if it's like people trying to play Darkest Dungeon two like Darkest Dungeon one? But you'll be 1. unpolluted. Exactly. I have no. Like, I have nothing going in. <laughs> you have no buy-in to like. No, it should be like the first game. You'll be like, I don't know. I no. just see what it is before me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Uh, so check that out on uh, Twitch.tv slash Waypoint Faceplant on stream. Let's go. <laughs> And uh, for our Waypoint Plus listeners, next week, for real, we are watching Mandy and we're recording <laughs> uh, an episode on it uh, for my turn. If that sounds good or you just want more Waypoint, you can go to waypointplus.com and subscribe. Not only do you get access to our premium feed, 
but you're also helping support Waypoint and everything else we do here. Our theme music is by Bowen. The track is Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Learn more at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. For now, we are calling time on this week. We will talk to you again next week. Until then, fuck capitalism. Go Bolts! Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I jinxed it. It's going to be Friday, and wow. people, bulls will be eliminated. And wow. people well, like, but, oh, but Rob, the, the alternative is that they are in their playing Toronto. second play-in game. Or not, uh, they have to win two. The, the Heat, right? Mm-hmm. They'd be playing the Heat if they win tonight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When they win tonight. When they won tonight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like I read a piece about this matchup on The Athletic and that the Bulls have not done real good against the Raptors uh, this season. No. But that's when nothing was on the line. Now exactly. everything is on the line, and this team is heating up. <laughs> this team, this team is on an Everspace Two trajectory. They're heat, oh they're no, heat, no, they're heating. That good or bad for them? Then are they mm. just giving energy to the heat? <laughs> mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Well, the the heat looked like they needed to gain some energy uh, <laughs> in in their game against the against the Hawks. So we'll we'll see.